Marquette's dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast, where you're going to learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. Today's topic is something I've been really looking forward to doing for a long period of time called bad dating advice that people think is good. Now, I will be the first to admit that anybody could become a dating coach. I mean, all you need is an opinion and a blog and Go ahead, if people listen to you, if people pay you money, congratulations, you are a dating coach. There's no special set of qualifications to do this other than to do this. Um, you don't need an advanced degree to be a dating coach. But I think because the barrier of entry to this career is so very low, you find a lot of people who are experts giving advice that's surfacy and not necessarily that expert. Um, and so while I usually follow a pretty close script when it comes to these podcasts, I've got about five pages of notes uh, per 20-minute per podcast. Today, I've got some bullet points, and I'm just going to go a little loosey-goosey. I put together a list of bad dating advice that people think is good. And um, instead of just talking about the what, I want to talk about why. Why do people give bad advice? Uh, nobody's intending to give bad advice. I mean, I'm that would, be, that would be unusual if you're in the helping profession and you're doing something that's potentially hurtful. But to me, bad advice, first of all, is usually lazy surface advice. Right? If some, someone spent any time thinking about it, they may draw a different conclusion, but it's usually sort of the most obvious thing. I think of uh, some ridiculous thing. This isn't part of the podcast, but uh, someone said, Patty Stanger's advice is if you want to meet a lawyer, go st stand outside a courthouse. That's not, that's not dating advice. So to me, it's just lazy. If, if you come up with stuff like that and you're expecting people to listen to you, you haven't really put too much thought into how people operate their lives. They don't stand outside courthouses looking for love. The second reason people give bad advice is because bad advice worked for them, and therefore they presume it works for others. Um, it's the broken clock is right twice a day analogy. So... Um, uh, I, I propose to my husband, so therefore all women should propose to their husbands. That's an example of something. I had sex with my boyfriend in a bathroom two hours after meeting him, and we're still together 10 years later. So just because a broken clock is right twice a day doesn't mean it's the optimal advice. Right, uh, that, that I try to give advice for, for the masses. There, I, I'll always acknowledge that there's exceptions, and yes, someone, there is a woman who got on her knee and gave her man a ring, but that's an exception, and there is someone who had sex in a bathroom with a stranger on her first date and ended up marrying him. But we don't want to reverse engineer that advice and suggest that that's best practices for the majority of people. And so that's another source of bad advice. And then third, bad advice makes sense in theory, but it ends up falling apart in practice. So when you hear dating and relationship coaches, friends of mine, offer this information up to you, I want you to have the wisdom to question the efficacy of it, right? Not does it sound good or does it feel good to hear, but does it actually work, right? When you put it into practice on members of the opposite sex. If good advice doesn't work the majority of the time, it's not really good advice, even if it's well-intentioned advice. So here's some bad advice starting from the first date. 
love happens when you least expect it. Love happens when you least expect it. So this is perfect broken clock advice. I know plenty of people who love happen when they least expect it. Right? They've completely given up on love. They're walking along and then they meet someone and then the whole world changes. But that is in spite of the fact that they gave up on looking for love. And giving up on looking for love is not the key to finding love. Right? No more than giving up on looking for a job is the key to finding a job. Right? Very logically, if you go on one date a week over the course of the year, you'll have 52 chances to find love in a calendar year. Right? If you give up and you sort of hope that you meet the right person, you may have no chances to find love. Right? Just from a pure mathematical standpoint, which stands to serve you better? So no one is saying that dating once a week makes you desperate or needy. Obviously, if you're desperate and needy, that's not going to serve you well. But not dating, right? Love happens when you least expect it. I've just given up and, you know, if the universe sends me a man, then that's not a strategy. That's, that's luck. That's the equivalent of winning the lottery. And winning the lottery is not the best path to long-term wealth, for example. So don't pay attention to anybody who says, Love happens when you least expect it. Then there's, you just know when you meet Mr. Right. I've got a video about this. You go to evanmarkkatz.com, give me your email address, and you'll watch a, a half hour video on how this is a fallacy. I know it's a wonderful feeling. You just know, oh my God, you just know when you meet your soulmate. So let me ask you, have you ever just known that you met Mr. Right? Have you ever had that feeling? Oh my God. I you just know it's so perfect. Are you still with him right now? Are you? If you are, you're probably not watching this video because happily married couples rarely watch dating coach videos. So um, you just know is a fallacy. It's a wonderful fallacy. It's a wonderful feeling. All right, but all you know is that you feel a very, very special sense of temporary chemistry that may or may not result in a healthy, long-term compatible relationship. Um, I just knew with two people, both of whom dumped me, one in three months and one in six months. Right? So you just know doesn't mean anything. And if you think you need to have the you just know feeling for it to be right, well, if every time you've just known that Mr. Right was right and he was always wrong, then maybe you're wrong about who Mr. Right is supposed to be, if that makes any sense. Right? So just knowing is not something you need. I certainly did not just know when I met my wife. Right? And so you can't hold on to having that feeling as an indicator that a relationship is right since it has never been right in your past. Then there's this concept, you shouldn't write to men online. Right? And sometimes things get a little messy. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm big on, on masculine and feminine energy, right? um, finding complementary fits for you. Um, I like uh, somewhere in my Why He Disappeared book, I talk about how women should do nothing, right? Let men pursue you. Um, you should not have to chase him down to remind him you're alive. You should not have to text him and say, hey, remember me? But this is the beginning. He doesn't even know you exist yet. So when you say you shouldn't write to a guy online, it never works. Well, no, obviously you're going to have a higher success rate if a guy initiate contact with you, if he finds you attractive, you're going to have a higher success rate. But you also have no control of who initiates contact with you. Literally half of online dating is reaching out to the men that you want. And if you use my finding the one online system, the opinion opener, 
right, on how to write a great first email that's confident and funny and sexy and flirty. Right? And you write to one new guy a day for a week, and three of them write back, men that you chose, you're in business. And it doesn't matter who wrote to whom first. That's the, that's the whole point. If you're dissatisfied with the quality or the quantity of men coming in, as many people are when it comes to online dating, you need to take control. But it's how you write the email. Uh, you're not chasing them down. You're not telling them, oh my God, you're so cute. You're so smart. Please write back to me. I'd love to hear from you. It's not that weak and needy shit. Right? If you say something funny to him, the same way a guy would come up and say something funny to you at a party, you stand a great chance of getting a guy to write back to you. And now you sit back and let him pursue you. You take him through your Evan Mark Katz 222 rule and screen him so that he, you can end up on a great first date on a Friday night. Doesn't matter who wrote to whom first. Right? Once he knows you exist, he will pursue you. But for you to sit on your hands and say, nope, boys should just have to write to me, I won't do anything, you're literally missing half of online dating. And you're only subject to the men who write to you instead of choosing the men that you write to. And then there's uh, the theory, and this is almost goes in the opposite direction, that you should ask out men. I disagree. I'm not saying that you're not capable of it. I'm not saying that there aren't examples of where it happened and it happened successfully. I'm suggesting that uh, apart from a very, very, very small slice of men who have no testicles, they know how to ask you out. And if he's not asking you out, it's because he doesn't want to go out with you. It's not incumbent upon you to ask him out. It's incumbent upon you to make him aware you exist. If you're at a bar, smile, make eye contact. He'll approach you. If you're online, you could say, hey, make a joke about something in his profile. If he likes you, he'll pursue. If he wants your number, he'll ask for your number. If he wants to see you on a date, he'll ask for a date. If he wants to take down his profile, he'll take down his profile. You do not have to ask him out. Hey, I was just thinking of you. What are you doing this weekend? Right? If he wanted to see you, he would make the effort to see you. And doing nothing is actually the most powerful thing you could do. You sit back and let him choose you. And if he doesn't choose you, that just shows his level of disinterest. I wouldn't spend too much time emotionally trying to chase him down and prop up that relationship. So while yes, women are empowered and certainly have the capacity and are, are equally entitled to ask out men, I'm only saying that you should not have to ask out any man because any man who likes you will do the asking himself. So I know I'm going a million miles a minute, but there's so much bad dating advice that's passed off as good dating advice, and I wanted to get as much in in the first half of this podcast. We've got some really good stuff coming up in the second half. Uh, I'm going to continue to debunk the mythology of bad dating advice that sounds good in theory and falls apart in practice. And soon you're going to learn why it's important to show interest in a man on a date, uh, something that a lot of women forget to do. So this is Evan Mark Katz. This is the Love You Podcast, and I will see you right after the break. back to the Love You Podcast with Evan Mark Katz, where you will learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, men, and sex from a man's point of view. Um, we got a lot to cover uh, when it comes to bad dating advice, and I want to dive right in quickly, um, continuing on what we learned in the first half. Next piece of bad dating advice, you should meet men as quickly as possible. All right. This is 
This is the most popular advice. I just read a book by a friend of mine uh, the other day. Uh, I, I try to keep up with my friend's books. It's a pretty small industry. And this was her advice. Meet men as quickly as possible. You don't want a pen pal. I get that. And again, it's a very normal, common, popular, very masculine point of view. My theory, if you go Google my TED Talk, is that men look for speed. Women, in general, look for comfort. And there's a sweet spot. There's a point on the Venn diagram where both people get what they want. Problem if everybody's going for speed, right? Tinder, swipe right, you look hot, let's meet, text. What happens? You end up going on blind dates with total strangers. You might as well write your number on a bathroom wall and say for a good time call. That is the qualifications to meet. You're cute, you have a pulse, let's meet. So there's no screening process. Imagine a company. I tell women that they're the CEOs of their own love life. Imagine a company, right? You're Bill Gates at Microsoft, and anybody who wants to interview at Microsoft could just show up at his door. There's no screening. There's no HR. You just show up as quickly as possible because we don't want to waste time screening. Well, it means you're going to have a lot of unqualified applicants showing up at the door of Microsoft, and that's what happens. That's what I discovered after a lot of dating, right, 300 dates. I decided I wanted to move slower. Everybody was moving fast. If everybody was going to zig, I was going to zag. That's where I came up with the 222 rule. Right? Couple emails on the dating site, couple emails off the dating site, phone call, date. Whole thing takes place in less than a week. But at least you know that you're going out with someone that you kind of sort of like and you kind of sort of trust. Right? So people who go really fast are usually assuming the worst in their dates. In a way, they're almost setting themselves up for the worst. How can I move as quickly as possible so as not to waste time, so as not to get hurt? Let's meet for a half hour in a plastic chair at Starbucks, and let's see if there's chemistry. And if there is, then maybe we'll come back for more. To me, that's a really soul-sucking way of dating. I'd rather go on one great date on a Friday night with someone that I've been talking to for a week on the phone than to go on four blind coffee dates with strangers. Your mileage may vary. If you like that revolving door of going out with strangers, God bless you. But to me, my dating life changed when I decided to make each date count and get excited and invested in each date, rather than setting myself up for the low, lowest common denominator, easiest date with a total stranger, the sort of meet and greet interview. I've never made out with anybody at Starbucks. I doubt you have either. What's the point of a date if you can't make out at the end of it? Next piece of bad advice, you should make first phone calls and first dates short. This is another example of trying to set yourself up for failure. And I don't know if it's from the rules, you know, the idea that women have to make themselves scarce and play games and leave him wanting more. And listen, if you and I are having a great night and you're like, I gotta go, but you're, you're killing, killing our momentum here. I'm, you think I'm gonna get sick of you because I talked to you for another hour? Is, that's, that's game playing. That's not what this is about. Good dating is about making an authentic connection and, and being free and seeing where things go. So when someone says, I got to make a first phone call short, remember, according to me, I'm only one guy, <laughs> that phone call that you set up from the guy online is your first date. Right? This is your first date. So when you meet in person, it feels like a second date. But that phone call is your first date. Why would you do a 15-minute phone call? You wouldn't go on a 15-minute first date. That's, that's surfacey stuff. If you are having a great phone call, stay on the phone. Keep it going. If you're on a great date and you love talking to each other, stay until the bar closes. There's no, you're not trying to play games. You're not trying to make yourself scarce. You're trying to connect. And forging a rare connection 
We've all dated, you know how hard it is. So when something good is going, you don't sabotage it because your perception is that you have to make men want you more by cutting things short. It's actually the, quite the opposite. As anybody who's ever had a three-hour phone call with someone that was amazing or a six-hour first date could attest to, that's so much more superior than the alternative of willfully stopping a date when you're having a good time. Similar piece of advice, play it cool on the first date. That's, not that's another thing that's sort of based on theory rather than practice. In fact, there's studies that show um, that men and women uh, uh, respond to things differently on a date. Women really don't like a guy who's a puppy dog on the first date. Uh, the guy who throws himself, oh my God, I can't stop thinking about you, you're so beautiful, I can't wait to have a future. The guy who comes on way too strong like that, women do tend to pull away from. A guy who's really eager, they prefer the guy who's a little aloof and confident and she doesn't exactly know where she stands with him to some degree, she values him more. And men work the opposite way around. The woman who's aloof, where you don't know where you stand, we hate that. All we want to know on a date is whether you like us. Right? Are you attracted? Are you having fun? Can I see you again? Am I going to get a kiss at the end of the night? That's all we care about. So when you play it cool and you sit on your hands and you are just slotty la da da right? not acting particularly interested in this guy, talking about your career or whatever's on with this movie that I saw, no. He wants you to look him in the eye and touch him on the hand and touch him on the knee and treat him like he's the most fascinating person in the entire world. He wants you to laugh at his jokes and compliment him on his shirt or his shoes or his funny business story. He wants to know that he's doing a good job. Playing it cool is literally the worst thing you can do on a date. Now remember, you're not kissing his ass, you're responding to him. Right? If he's not being nice to you, I wouldn't throw myself at him. But men are putting on a show. This is in my book, Why He Disappeared. Men are putting on a show, and we just really want you to applaud. So playing it cool is one of the worst things you could do on a date, no matter what other, any other dating coach tells you. Similarly, don't kiss on the first date. Kiss on the first date is also in Why He Disappeared. Right? Men disappear because they don't feel good around you. If I planned a date, right, picked you up, picked up the check, engaged in conversation, came up with another bar to take you to, and the whole, the whole song and dance, I courted you, and at the end of the night I'm attracted to you and I go to make a move, and you just give me this, or this, or the, I'm sorry, I'm uncomfortable, I don't do that. What you haven't considered is how he feels. Now, everybody's entitled to have her boundaries, and I'm not saying you're wrong for having your boundaries. I want you to just understand the consequences to those boundaries is that you're gonna make this guy who was having a great time, who was attracted to you, feel confused, embarrassed, stupid. <laughs> All right. That was not your intention. You liked him. You just had this rule that you don't kiss guys because you don't want to send the wrong message. All right. The problem is your rule is going to alienate the guy that you took out that you want to see again. So you could say, well, the right man will respect my rule. Well, the right man might be really embarrassed about taking you out on another date, <laughs> going to make a move, and getting the cheek again and getting rejected. You could only imagine what it would be like if you leaned in to kiss a guy and he rejected you. How would you feel? And a lot of people haven't considered that. It's very embarrassing to make a move and get turned down. Even if you give him an explanation around it, you're still rejecting him. So to me, the best path of, of least resistance is if you like the guy and you want to see him again and he tries to kiss you, kiss him back like you mean it. 
doesn't mean you have to have sex with him. It just means you're reciprocating his affection because men are driven by that affection in a way that's almost their reward for taking you out and being a gentleman on the rest of the date. So don't expect that a good date or the right guy doesn't make a first move. Right? If you make up this rule that you don't kiss on the first date, you're going to end up inadvertently alienating a lot of really good guys, whether you think they're really good guys or not. I'm telling you that they are. You should never talk about relationships or dating. That's what other people say. That's not true in the least. Right. Talking about real things forges a real connection. It forges real intimacy. There was that famous New York Times article about the 36 questions that you could ask that would help someone fall in love with you. And they're increasingly intimate questions. Now, that would be a weird way to go on a date is to go with a questionnaire. But people bond over the sharing of information, talking about my father who passed away, talking about the, the girlfriend who broke my heart in 2003, talking about the silly things that are going on on Match.com. If you, if you put that in a box and you just have to talk about the weather and your hobbies and your favorite restaurants, you're not really getting anywhere. People want to make a human connection. Right? The human connection is talking about relationships with friends and family and exes. And as long as you can tell these stories without being needy, Oh my God, I miss him so much. Well, that's not good. But if you could tell the story, right, intimate stories about dating relationships without the emotional attachment, you really get to share a lot and make a unique connection with someone new on a date without having to stay on the surface, which I don't think anybody really enjoys staying on the surface. And then finally, this is courtesy of a, a, an esteemed expert whose, whose name shall be left out of this, who says, tell a man that you're looking for marriage and kids on the first date. No, you don't. That's really, really awkward. It's, it's almost the equivalent of a guy saying, so are we going to get laid tonight or what on the date? He may be in the back of his mind, <laughs> but you don't come out and say that. So there's nothing wrong with wanting marriage and kids. There's nothing wrong with wanting to waste your time. But you're not here to, to interview a guy on the date. You're not here to figure out the entire future. You're here to have fun, make a connection, be comfortable, laugh a little bit and the future will bear itself out. And the truth is, if a guy wants to get married, it usually says so in his profile, and he'll usually bring it up on his own without you having to interview him. But the second you interview him, the second you have an agenda, suddenly it sucks all the fun out of the date, right? You're not just here to get to know a new guy, you're here to assess whether he's the father of your children. Right? And that's an ineffective way of dating, even though the intention is pure. So never talk about, I wanna get married, do you, just because you're trying to be direct. It's awkward, it's not effective, guys don't like it, and um, I, I would highly steer you in a different direction. Just be, treat him like the person who's sitting next to you on an airplane, and just have a real conversation. Whew, that's a lot of bad dating advice to take in one place. Um, uh, I could probably go on what I won't. Um, I wanna thank you for joining me on the Love You Podcast. I wanna thank you for being open to these ideas. My name is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for Smart, Strong, Successful Women. The next episode, I'm gonna take this even further and talk about bad relationship advice that many experts pass off as good. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, follow me on Facebook and Twitter, and go to www.evanmarkkatz, give me your name and email address, and I will send you free dating and relationship advice twice a week until you are in the relationship of your dreams because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for being here and I will see you next week. Bye -bye.